talk to a Bitcoin maximalist, someone who believes that Bitcoin is the only digital asset with innate value. And more likely than not, they'll tell you the world's oldest cryptocurrency is in fact, quote, not crypto at all. The refrain can be confusing. Clearly, Bitcoin pioneered the use of cryptography, an ultra-secure type of encryption with the aim of creating a digital currency. Bitcoin is the archetypal crypto. And yet, in the context of how the digital asset marketplace has evolved since 2009 when Bitcoin was created, it's easy to see why maximalists distance themselves from the more generic term. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. And we have got a read today. Um, uh, and this will be, this one's more of a news item. We've had a, a, quite a bit of news in the recent, recent weeks, kind of on the regulatory landscape, as well as uh, just kind of developments that have been going on in the space and kind of around the world with uh, the SEC more specifically uh, recently in the crypto space and kind of how things are being defined and the way that the mental models are shifting in both the regulatory landscape and with kind of the public at large. Um, and obviously a lot of it's still completely up in the air, but I think it's worth it to, to, to dive more specifically into some of these developments um, since there has been a lot and we haven't had, there is a uh, chat episode, there's an interview episode that I hope to be doing relatively soon. I've kind of let that fall by the wayside, unfortunately, um, which will be related to these topics and a couple of news developments in that vein, so to speak. Um, so stay tuned for that. But uh, I just, I saw this article, this is an article on Forbes, um, from Forbes Digital Assets, and it's by Martin Leo Rivers, and it's just about the the statement that Gary Gensler has made and Brian Armstrong, the Coinbase CEO, basically announced that essentially the SEC is treating every single or considers every single crypto other than Bitcoin a security. And there's a lot of um, implications of this. And uh, we will talk about this uh, a bit in the guy's take afterward. Uh, this is a really short article, though. So let's go ahead and get a breakdown of the situation and then do a guy's take and have a little bit of discussion about what's going on in crypto, in Bitcoin and the regulatory landscape. I want to thank our newest sponsor, Nodeless.io, for helping bring this show to you and for having an awesome platform. I have been using it and playing around with it a lot recently, and uh, I've been working with UTXO, the owner and founder. But I like to think of Nodeless as BTC Pay Simple. It is a all-in-one uh, uh, API and just plugging your digital presence into Bitcoin and being able to accept Bitcoin and plug it into your website and fundraisers and tips and 
WooCommerce and running a Noster instance. There's literally already so many things that you can do, and I know the set of plans that are in order for the future, and this is a project to use and watch very, very closely. I am a big fan, and it's awesome to be partnering with them for Bitcoin Audible. So that's going to be your solution to integrating and doing all of these things and accepting Bitcoin without having to run a node or channel management or anything like that. And then you're going to send that Bitcoin automatically with Nodeless straight to your cold storage on your cold card, which you can get 9% off your cold card if you haven't snagged one yet with code Bitcoin Audible. And then the last thing you're going to do is make sure that you have a fold debit card so that you are stacking sats on everything in your life also sending it to your cold card. We got integrations everywhere, and this is the time to be accepting Bitcoin and integrating your store, your business, your debit card, getting your cold storage set up, because this is prime, prime stacking time. All of our amazing sponsors have uh, special links and discounts and goodies right there in the show notes, so check them out. With that, let's get into today's article. And... It's titled, Bitcoin is not crypto, the SEC confirms, written by Martin Leo Rivers. Talk to a Bitcoin maximalist, someone who believes that Bitcoin is the only digital asset with innate value, and more likely than not, they'll tell you the world's oldest cryptocurrency is in fact, quote, not crypto at all. The refrain can be confusing. Clearly, Bitcoin pioneered the use of cryptography, an ultra-secure type of encryption, with the aim of creating a digital currency. Bitcoin is the archetypal crypto. And yet, in the context of how the digital asset marketplace has evolved since 2009, when Bitcoin was created, it's easy to see why maximalists distance themselves from the more generic term. Today, there are thousands of copycat cryptos. It's true that a few are experimenting with innovative technologies, algorithms that Bitcoin may one day absorb into its code, but the vast majority can be dismissed as scams and get-rich-quick schemes. To many in the space, crypto has become a euphemism for fraud and exploitation, the opposite of the autonomous digital cash Satoshi Nakamoto set out to create. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, America's financial regulator, shares this concern and has tried to protect consumers from unscrupulous players in the crypto sphere. Its main weapon is an offensive defense, clipping the wings of dodgy cryptos by attacking the exchanges, or digital marketplaces, where they're traded. That's why the SEC sued Binance and Coinbase last month. Fewer consumers will be left out of pocket, the regulator hopes, if it becomes harder to buy and sell these speculative instruments. The SEC's strategy hinges on a claim that most cryptos can be classified as, quote, securities, or financial instruments that give the holder a tradable stake in a profit-making enterprise. As such, any entity facilitating their trade needs to jump through certain hoops in order to stay on the right side of U.S. securities law. If they fail to do so, they face lawsuits, fines, and potential dissolution. It's a regulatory minefield that staff at crypto exchanges are only too aware of. Quote, We are operating as a fucking unlicensed securities exchange in the USA, bro, fretted Binance's chief compliance officer in an internal message in 2018, according to evidence published by the SEC. But here's where it gets interesting for maximalists. 
In order to prove whether or not a crypto is a security, the SEC relies on precedent set by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1946, specifically the SEC versus W.J. Howey Co. The so-called Howey test holds that an investment contract, quote-unquote, amounts to a security if three conditions are met. One, there's an investment of money. Two, the investment is made in a common enterprise. And three, there's an expectation that profits will be derived from the efforts of others. In the SEC's recent case against Ripple Labs, a U.S. district court found that the XRP token does not constitute a security when sold to the general public via exchanges, an appeal is expected. But judges have sided with the regulator in other smaller cases. The issue often boils down to whether or not the promotion and development of a crypto by its founders constitutes the, quote, efforts of others. If the token is relatively centralized or small in market cap, and if the team behind the token has made claims about their ability to drive up its price, then the Howey test is likely to be passed. Crucially, none of that applies to Bitcoin, the world's most decentralized crypto, with a market cap nearly equal to all other cryptos combined, whose founder neither pre-mined any coins nor has any ongoing involvement in the project, and the SEC knows it. Quote, We believe every crypto asset other than Bitcoin is a security. The SEC supposedly told Coinbase before filing its litigation, according to paraphrased remarks by Brian Armstrong, the exchange's chief executive. Speaking to the Financial Times in an interview published on July 31, 2023, Armstrong recalled hitting back at the regulator about its radical interpretation of securities law, one that would effectively cripple the U.S. crypto industry if upheld by the courts. The SEC's response, he claims, was, quote, we're not going to explain it to you. You need to delist every asset other than Bitcoin. This isn't the first time that the SEC has treated Bitcoin as a special case. In February, SEC Chair Gary Gensler told New York Magazine, quote, For everything other than Bitcoin, you can find a website. You can find a group of entrepreneurs. These other tokens are securities because there's a group in the middle, and the public is anticipating profits based on that group. His predecessor, Jay Clayton, struck a similar tone in 2018 telling CNBC that Bitcoin is, quote, not a security because it's intended as a, quote, replacement for sovereign currencies. We should acknowledge here that regulators are still finding their feet in the crypto sphere. The Commodity Futures Trading Commission, or CFTC, for example, another U.S. financial regulator, stated in a 2021 filing that Ether, Litecoin, and Tether also qualify as commodities, not securities. Even so, the SEC's lawyers will surely have done their homework on the design and distribution of cryptos before going to court. And for now, at least, they seem to be arguing that Bitcoin, and Bitcoin alone, has attained the status of decentralized digital cash, an autonomous currency beyond the control of vested interests. Well done, Satoshi. Maximalists rejoice. This show is brought to you by Nodeless.io. This is a unified Bitcoin platform. This is the, this is the plug-and-play, simple, anybody-can-use-it version of BTC Pay Server with an incredibly simple fee structure, just a base 1% plus 100 sats, and this is going to let you 
plug in is they've got a powerful API so you can plug in all sorts of things. It's integration with WooCommerce. You have a built-in online store, charity, fundraiser. You can accept Bitcoin and Lightning payments. You don't have to manage a Lightning node or channels or anything. This is all about simplifying accepting and plugging in Bitcoin and Lightning into everything that you do online. And best of all, it is privacy focused. There is no KYC, no chargebacks, no fraud. They do not collect any personal information. They will simply accept payments and forward it automatically to your cold storage or to your Lightning address, however you want to receive it. Now, some people, even like myself, I run a BTC pay server, but I am still using Nodeless. I think the value add of just being able to plug stuff in and it runs is 100% worth it. Simplicity matters. The time to implementation matters. Now, some of you, if you're if you're up for doing your own uh, lightning node and setting up your own API and plugging all of these things in, please, by all means, do it. But if you were looking for a way to plug in Bitcoin into the things that you do online in your online store and your fundraisers and all that good stuff, and you don't want all the complexity and you don't want to set everything up, but you still want the benefit of privacy and simplicity and the fact that it goes straight to you, that it is automatically sent either to your cold storage or to your lightning address or however you want to set it up, then that is why Nodeless exists. Go to nodeless.io slash guy to check it out. That link will be in the show notes. And also, don't forget to follow UTXO on Noster and or Twitter. I'll have uh, links. He is He has been building this thing and I've been talking with him. And it's just been really cool to watch this service come to life. So check it out. Again, nodeless.io slash guy. All right. So this piece from Forbes, it's always kind of interesting to see... Uh, the mental shift, you know, I felt like we were overdue, that it's been slowly creeping, that the maximalist mantra or the perspective that Bitcoin and crypto are separate uh, has been slowly infiltrating things. There's still a massive breadth of normie land that does not recognize this, but I think the concept is permeating. Um, and I think it's just one of those things that comes with time. And what's funny is that as much as crypto tries to say it's not the case, they actually do a lot to reinforce this by specifically saying, oh, they don't agree with Bitcoiners and Bitcoiners are toxic and Bitcoiners are different. Is that, well, when crypto ends up being blasted with a whole bunch of exchange failures and massive over leveraging and, you know, token after token after token just goes to zero and it's like rug pull after rug pull, it becomes this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that as crypto has out of because bitcoiners are mean on twitter that they distance themselves from bitcoin and then it becomes more obvious that the communities and the cultures and the uh the standards of each are very very different and i think that ends up spreading even though the attempt is to try to make it appear as if that's not the case and that like bitcoin toxic bitcoin maximalist which I will 100%. If you get any group of people large enough, there's a group of just dumb people who repeat the mantra of anything. Like they just know only the shallow version of it. I don't know of a single idea out there who doesn't have a group of dummies saying all of the things you're supposed to say in that group. And the idea of pointing that out in the regards to Bitcoin maximalists and then 
completely evading or ignoring the fact that there's clearly a very foundational and very strong argument for it, and a very sensible one too, I think is clearly disingenuous. But I think it's fair to remark that that goes both ways, that there is actually an interesting, there's an intriguing case that I've tried to make a couple of times, and I try to check myself uh, for the idea of crypto, of the idea of multiple, like I've tried to steel man that argument a number of times on this show. It's probably been a while since I've done that. Um, I still think it doesn't hold up, but there is at least a, a far more in-depth and nuanced argument for the idea of a multi-token world. But I think tokens, hey buddy, I think tokens make a whole lot more sense purely as credit instruments. Like there's a couple things that are brought up in this piece specifically is like Tether also, uh, the CFTC saying that Tether qualifies as a commodity, not a security. That's weird. That doesn't quite make sense to me. Certainly Tether is not a commodity. It's issued by a centralized institution and it's redeemed to a specific institution. So it's not a commodity, but it's also not a security. It's not like a profit taking, like it is a credit instrument, but it is not a uh, uh, fluctuating, like trading uh, security. I don't even know what, what to call it. It's not representative of like profit margins or PE ratios or the value of either Tether Co or Bitfinex or anything that create anything behind Tether. It's literally, do they have dollars to redeem it? Like it's, it's far closer to a banknote, a, a digital banknote. It's a, it's a redemption token for something for a dollar. So it's not really much different than uh, a banknote at uh, a traditional bank, like when we go back to the free banking era, or a redemption. It's a receipt. It's it's a freaking digital receipt that you can go back to Bitfinex and redeem it. It's kind of like a gift card. Gift cards for Target are specifically redeemable for their value in dollars. Like that's not a security. It doesn't fluctuate on the market, but it would plummet in price if it turns out that Target is going under is going bankrupt because everybody would be afraid that they won't get the dollar value out of their gift cards anymore. And so everybody would dump them as quick as they could or go try to redeem them at Target. And if it turned out Target, their local Target goes out of business before they can redeem them, everybody's going to be selling them for 50% cut, you know? So the idea that the CFTC calls this a commodity and, and then the same thing with Ether and Litecoin, it's just... I don't know. It, it's kind of indicative. Actually, I'll read this whole quote. It says, we should acknowledge that regulators are still finding their feet in the crypto sphere. And I think this is really a huge part of it is that everybody outside, everybody trying to grasp for some realm of control or some degree of power over this new space and the new technological landscape has no idea what the fuck any of it is. They don't know how to describe it. They don't know how to properly understand the relationship. And uh, for everything for the simple uh comparisons that you know you can get from just kind of like the cultural facade of like bitcoiners versus crypto is at least i think correct uh despite the fact that it has no depth it has no nuance and you know you're not going to find a good explanation in those stupid arguments on twitter but nonetheless i think they're uh, they're based on what i think is the the strongest foundational argument and when you, one of the reasons that you see this a whole lot in, in particular with crypto is how many times a project at good Lord, Raul Paul is such a great example of 
uh, immediately talking about how they're going to tokenize AI and how it's like, oh, well, they even call them tokens. You can get tokens like from Dolly or whatever, these things. And because they, they label them specifically as tokens when they when they're talking about like the GPU time that you're that you're running like that that's how the the model is trained what does it mean that like a speculative token is going to be some sort of like like it has nothing to do with some sort of speculative instrument that's going to fluctuate in price like that's retarded the whole reason you have a price you you price gpu time like putting a token in the middle of that is so stupid it's so inefficient and it leads to a illiquid speculative market that has no purpose to exist, trying to find a price for something that is already being priced. It, it's putting a new level of price discovery is a pain in the ass. Price discovery is something that takes a lot of time and requires a lot of liquidity and is a huge resistance on the market. Price discovery is a very difficult thing. That's why money exists in the first place, is to be that universal weight so that we can price things. The idea of pricing things in a bunch of different tokens is just bad. It's, it's not efficient. It's not, uh, it's not a good economic communicator. It is specifically because we use the same quote-unquote token, the same money, that you actually have a universal or you have a, con uh, a joined or a, um, not joined, a uh, uh, singular or consensus-driven economic network in the sense that it's how you define yourself as being on the same network. So if you start putting tokens, and going back to my point, is the reason I think crypto is so misguided is because they're constantly looking for, they're not looking for where crypto tokens, and obviously I'm making a lot of assumptions here about how to think about this and the terminology because I use crypto in the context of crypto. I use it in the context of these frivolous shitcoin tokens and exchanges in this huge ecosystem of just trading a bunch of tokens. And maybe that's actually a good opportunity to go back to kind of the foundation of this argument here is that, uh, let me read the first couple of paragraphs because I think it's, it's really indicative of uh, how this, how Normie Land is probably interpreting, interpreting it or how people outside looking into the space are confused. So it says, talk to a Bitcoin maximalist, somebody who believes Bitcoin is the only digital asset with in a value, and more likely than not, they'll tell you the world's oldest cryptocurrency is in fact, quote, not crypto at all. The refrain, the refrain can be confusing. Clearly, Bitcoin pioneered the use of cryptography, an ultra-secure type of encryption with the aim of creating a digital currency. Bitcoin is the archetypal crypto. And yet in the context of the digital asset marketplace, uh, since it's involved, evolved in 2009, uh, it's easy to see why maximalists distance themselves from the more generic term. So uh, there's a couple of oddities here. So first off, this is just a weird sentence. The refrain can be confusing. Clearly, Bitcoin pioneered the use of cryptography, an ultra-secure type of encryption. That's a very imprecise sentence. Um, cryptography is not a ultra-secure type of encryption. Encryption is a use of the generic term cryptography, whatever. Maybe maybe the author specifically is trying to mean like public-private key cryptography, and then that's also not specifically encryption, like in, what, whatever. Like I said, very vague, very imprecise language, but you know, it makes sense that probably from the outside, this is kind of a general way to think about it, uh, even though it might not be the most useful uh, way to describe it. But indeed, crypto used to be an, a good word. It used to specifically mean cryptography. 
those things where you were using encryption, you were using privacy tools, you were uh, using mathematical, you know, mathematical premise or, or um, primitives of cryptographic signatures and hashes and all of these things in order to have provenance of a, an identity or a person that you are interacting with or a set of keys that was consistent and uh, that the files were consistent, all of these things, right? Like all the tricks of cryptography that literally make the internet work. Without it, none of, none of this shit would work. I wouldn't be able to give you a podcast. We wouldn't be able to trade, make any exchanges online. Like cryptography is the foundation of everything thought of as commerce on the internet, in the digital sphere. Um, and also everything thought of as like a unique connection or a particular computer. Like again, without it, like it would just be, nothing, nothing would work. So Bitcoin obviously is cryptography. But going back to the idea of crypto, when we talk about it in the context of this ocean of speculative tokens, is that I think they've misunderstood the role of money and what they saw, and it makes perfect sense too, and especially with the VC culture, it kind of like, like crypto to me is like end stage fiat. It is really the ultimate of completely vapid tokens with nothing underlying, no real capital, no real structure, no genuine utility that is connected to them at all, or that is actually reliant on the token's existence. Because the reason the quote-unquote crypto token, the like Bitcoin itself, what it does is it creates a internal economic game theory to manage a secure consensus. So like that is its ultimate value, is the fact that the whole world can be on the same page and everybody can independently verify that they know the truth. They, they follow the proof of work. The value of Bitcoin itself is the feedback mechanism that secures it. And therefore, it provides a universal, it's, it's basically a timestamp server. We just talked about this with Jameson Lopp's recent piece, um, even though I didn't really get into the philosophy of why that's essentially all you need for monetary consensus. Uh, nonetheless, it's basically a way to create a universal sense of time. And using that universal sense of time, and in order to create the token, you have to create ownership. You have to create a way to exchange that token because you also have to give it out. You have to issue that token as the defense mechanism or as the game theoretic circular, the, the circular loop, so to speak, of uh, enabling the value exchange that then is enough to you know, prove that they have the ownership, prove that it is a secure digital token that can't be manipulated and that it is actually scarce because it all exists within the rules, right? Like it's just digital. It's just code. Anybody can change anything they want in the Bitcoin code. Well, that doesn't mean that they're in consensus with the network. So because of that, I genuinely think, and I, I use this analogy quite a bit on the show, is that the best way to think about Bitcoin, and more specifically, the best way to think about money is as a universal timekeeper when it comes to exchange, when it comes to trade and ownership, which means that it is merely the highest assurance that is the, the more valid claim, or not the more valid claim, what's the, what's the way to put this? That what, you, what is being offered isn't cheap transactions. That's a consequence. That's downstream. It isn't even privacy. Also, downstream. The chief value is the agreement of who owns what and the assurance that it can't be changed, which means it's more akin to everyone being on the same clock 
knowing that it's exactly the right hour of day and that even if you're in the wrong you're in the different time zone you can still relate to that other person there's a reason why despite we have all the culture different cultures despite all the different languages despite all the different values the variations in economic and um uh, disparities all over the world everybody basically uses the same clock it's because the need to coordinate overrides the 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 drive and the coalesce the coalescence around uh, a singular consensus of time is a far more standardizing force and uh, network consolidating force than it is a network separating force. While you have all, a lot of these other cult, uh, uh, scaling technologies like culture, like religion, like language that uh, have limits. You know, languages, as soon as you put a, a mountain range between two cultures, they will diverge. You know, you give it 30, 40 years, they're different people, they have different traditions. And same thing with the language. The language will def uh, will basically change over time. And a great example, actually, is the language of crypto. Crypto used to just mean cryptography. 13 years later, it means bullshit speculative tokens that are that have nothing to do with anything and they're just some utility token just like going to trying to put a speculative token between ai and bitcoin or ai and money so that you have to buy money to get a token and then you spend that speculative token that goes up and down in value on gpu time uh or computation in order to you know use an ai it's just so it's so st stupid i i and I, I don't mean to be mean because like I understand that it's not necessarily intuitive and if you don't understand how money works, but the money, the problem of money is an extremely difficult problem. It is an insanely difficult problem and it is downstream from liquidity, from having a massive network of people who accept it and establishing and bootstrapping that network and the value that comes from it is an incredibly slow and painful process. It is, it requires a shift of you know, a mental value model. It requires a shift in how people use the technology. Like this is why generally monetary shifts that you, we have seen throughout history are measured in centuries. Like, like they're huge, huge societal shifts to change of money because money is at the very bottom. Like if you have a skyscraper with like 900, you know, 90 floors, 900 floors, that's a big skyscraper with a 90 floor skyscraper. And you're trying to change out the foundation with something else. You're not going to do that overnight. You're not just going to like pick up the building and be like, all right, let's swap it out real quick, move in the dump truck and, you know, dump it out. And then we got a new foundation. No, you do it block by block. You do it one at a time. And it's going to take like 30 years. It's going to take a really long time. It's not going to take 30 years, but it's a very slow, careful a meticulous process because you can't just take a foundation out and replace it. It it requires otherwise the building falls. And this is true of monetary and economic networks too is that everything has layers upon layers and they are dependent on the foundation. You can't just swap it out and all the same behaviors work and all the same business practices work and all the same like go into debt versus savings. In fact, just the opposite is, and this is the very case for fiat versus Bitcoin, is that fiat is an ex very explicit set of behaviors and culture and incentives about how to financially operate. And those are not sustainable on a Bitcoin standard. They only work in a debt-based, frivolous, speculative, uh, finan bloated financial 
uh, market where you're constantly dumping in new debt and you're constantly dumping in new money. That is the same with crypto. This is why people say Bitcoin is a crypto is closer to fiat and the the financial system that we already have than it is to Bitcoin. And I completely agree with that. I think that's 100% true. If you look at the cultures and the behaviors, it's the same thing. They're just trying to extend it into another sphere and a new technology. And going back to the idea of Rao Paul and like what I was talking about, what I was criticizing in the way their mindset is, is that they don't look for why, where consensus is needed and where a game theoretic assurance of ownership is is the thing that will ultimately solve problems a b and c what they do is they just look for something that looks like it's important to solve or is super hyped up or is really cool and sounds neat decentralized storage decentralized social media uh ai uh, just ai just you know just running computation time to run an llm and they're like let's stick a token on it and then sell the token for value the project isn't built because a token makes sense in it, because I've clearly found a problem and we've narrowed down that fundamental problem to as core as it as it needs to be to understand the real problems of trying to identify another person on a network, trying to get packets from A to B. Oh, here's a great way that a token actually introduced into this system solves a lot of inefficiencies and makes this system a whole lot more sustainable and better over the long term and that this is an important part of making this work. In fact, it's just the opposite. They're trying to find something that sounds like an important problem or sounds like a cool product as an excuse to issue a token. And you can go back through almost all of these, almost all of them. And if you look hard enough, you look closely enough, you'll see it's subtle and it's everywhere. But this is the fundamental framing. Everything is a good excuse to issue a token, which means that the mindset and the goal is to issue tokens and try to find good projects, try to find cool things to attach it to so that it sounds like they're doing something innovative. And maybe they even build something interesting about AI or they build something interesting about storage decentralized storage or something like that. But the fact that they built it is irrelevant. It's just that they try to figure out what to do with the money they made to prop up this token that they sold. And what's funny is Meltem Demirers actually said in a talk at Bitcoin 2023, I think it was, it looked like the Bitcoin 2023 stage, but I saw the clip not too long ago is she was talking about how the great thing about this and the reason like you can't deny all the great things of crypto or whatever, no matter what you do, is that it's got the best time to profit, time to turn around for VC investment. And that you can't just like pass that off. Like this is a real market and does real things. And what VC can do is they can get in and uh, the token will go up in value and it's immediately liquid and they can dump it. And, or excuse me, they can sell it and they have uh, time to realize profit is the lowest possible. And it's like, and she's talking about like this as if it's like, fundamental and they're like you can't deny this this is a real market and i'm like no this is literally exactly the problem you're describing the problem that should never be that has nothing to do with venture capital that has nothing to do like what does the just the words venture capital it is to seek out long-term investment projects to building real capital it is not 
a, it is not buying and selling options. That's not venture capital, but that's what it behaves like. They're trying to get the quickest turnaround. That means they're not trying to build anything. The whole point is to issue a token, get as much hype as possible in the shortest time frame possible so that they can dump it on retail. It's insider trading. It's, it, it's not even insider trading. It's literally pre-market trading. It's how do we get these this inside group to get a bunch of tokens at X price, and then they dump it at 3X the price as soon as they open it up to retail. That's just a scam. That is not venture capital. The fact that they are calling this VC is indicative of how bad the culture has gotten in the fiat space. Because the point of venture capital, the point of startup capital is to lock up capital that you don't have access to for a long time because you're trying to build something meaningful. You're trying to build something that is actually going to produce things at the end of three years or five years, like a serious project. You know, you're trying to build a manufacturing, like they, they use the money, they use the money to turn around and put it into productive uh into capital. Capital is basically the concept of locked up time. So that's the risk is that you're supposed to be paid out as a venture capitalist or a startup funder. You're supposed to be paid out in the in the huge system and the company and the productive machine that has been built. Not because you got to dump your dump the token that you invested in three weeks later on a bunch of retail people who have no idea what the hell is going on. Like that is like she just described to me, she just described a scam. She just described why this has nothing to do with capital and why this is exactly the fiat mindset just projected onto Bitcoin. I mean, excuse me, projected onto the technology of just issuing tokens. And if it's an open source code and anybody can just issue as many as they want, of course, this is what happens. And that behavior doesn't that behavior doesn't fly. That won't work with sound money. It just won't. And Bitcoin is the opposite of that. Bitcoin is restoring sound money, is consensus on a singular universal monetary network that is global, that is apolitical, that cannot be controlled. And I think one of the big reasons, it's funny, it's, it's funny because, you know, it's amazing how many people in crypto will say, it's like, oh, Bitcoiners love the SEC now and now they're communists or whatever. I don't, I don't know. They've got all sorts of things because there's some idiots that just laugh and applaud when the SEC says something like this. And mostly it's just a confirmation in a sense of like, well, yeah, we saw this coming. And it's, it's remarkable how many people have been saying, myself included, have been saying, listen, this is what's going to happen. If your token, if your network is not decentralized, it won't survive. You know, the idea that Bitcoin, Bitcoin was not built and my faith in Bitcoin or my trust in the Bitcoin system isn't because governments are all going to approve of it. Exactly the opposite, actually, is because I expect many governments to attack it and I expect it will survive because it's decentralized. There's nothing to attack. And that's really the big thing here is that I don't think the SEC would know who to sue. It's like, how do you, who? Like, what exactly do you go after in the Bitcoin space? There's just not any concrete thing to attack. But unfortunately for basically all the crypto projects, there is. Now, I don't think the SEC going after all of these projects is a net benefit. I don't really care. Um, I think it's just indicative of like, we told you so. Like, you should have known this was going to happen. And if now your DeFi is going to be shut down or your 
decentralized, better token, better than Bitcoin token, which is how every one of these pieces of shit projects are sold, is no longer going to be accessible or it's not going to be worth anything. Well, then it wasn't decentralized. It wasn't ever going to work. If you require government approval to undermine a system that governments monopolize, you're not going to get it. So anyway, um, I think it's just interesting. It's interesting to see this begin to play out. And it's also interesting to see Bitcoin kind of dodge a lot of this. Um, and, and, you know, it might be, it might largely be because government doesn't like to, regulators, anybody in those positions, kind of, they, they, the reason they feel they are important is because of the power that they have, right? Is that, and this is why they're all fighting, like CF, the CFTC and the SEC and the Treasury and all of these institutions are trying to figure out uh, who's in charge. And they're each vying for, oh, it's a security. Oh, it's a commodity. And they're, you know, they're all trying to take their portion of power and regulatory control over this space. And so I think it's pretty indicative of the concept or the natural tendency to know that humans, particularly in those positions in the regulatory and the political environment, believe themselves to be important because of the authority and the control that they have over a, B, or C. And the idea of them looking stupid, uh, I mean, this is the universal thing of government, right? Is that no matter how great their failure, it's always somebody else's fault. It's always somebody else lied. And, you know, the reason Biden's economy sucks is because Trump left him with a crappy economy. And the reason Trump economy sucks is because Obama left him with a bad economy. The reason Obama's economy sucks is because Bush left him with a bad economy. And none of it's got anything to do with the foundational reality that they're all shit none of them know what going what's going on and everybody's just trying to police trying to please their cronies because their cronies are the ones who manipulate and blast out propaganda and public opinion to keep the political sphere gaining more power and more uh you know getting greater access to the money printer it's just a giant corruption ring of manipulate the economy as much as possible and then only pinpoint because everything it's like, you know, if you throw a rock in a pond, there's waves and there's troughs, right? Is that ultimately it just disturbed the water and it made everything a little bit more volatile. But there's plenty of like high points in the water, like the ripples are high points and there's low points. And so it's like throwing a giant rock into a pond or a lake or a pool or something. And then just pointing out where all the high points are and being like, everything just got better. And just kind of ignoring the fact that massive amount of things got worse and there was no net benefit. You just, you just disturbed a bunch of stuff. And this is kind of a lot of what happens when we have economic manipulation is that, you know, they're like, oh, here's a whole bunch of subsidies that we made. And it's like, look, in, we made a ton of subsidies for wind and solar. And uh, so we created 100,000 new jobs because that's the consequence of all these subsidies. And also they caused, you know, 20% increase in inflation. Uh, uh, homeless, the homeless problem got like, you know, 50% worse than it was two years prior. Um, uh, the amount of debt that students have to go into just increased by 30%. Uh, the number of new homeowners, uh, or the, the average age of a new homeowner just increased by three years. Like all of these hugely negative outcomes are just like, we don't talk about these. And then the opposite for anybody vying for political power is only point out the troughs. So it's just a game of fucking things up 
and then pointing out where there was some supposed benefit, but there's no net benefit to any of it. It's just a way to, it's just like speculative tokens in crypto is that there's a utility and there's money. Let's put a speculative token in the middle of it and make it worse. But so we can make a lot of profit off of it is that when it comes to the government and the regulatory apparatus and the vying for control and let me subsidize it, pay me first, and then I'll pay them. And then that's more efficient than the economy is that how do we take the the thing that people need and the thing that uh, people are being provided and how do we instead of just having those people exchange directly with each other and get the best value that they can and have voluntary interaction well let's force both players to or, or let's force the consumers by taking their money then we're going to pay ourselves we're going to pay all of our cronies and we're going to create a massive system of corruption and political bullshit and infighting and now we have all these reasons to have propaganda uh, propaganda and uh just great campaigns about how we're going to make x better and y better now the political sphere is at the center of everything because we're so important and we're going to fix society we're going to pay ourselves massive salaries we're going to be stupidly rich we're not going to actually do anything productive for the economy and then we're going to send some money to the services that you actually want so somehow if we create this giant bloated corrupt apparatus between the consumer and the product being provided this is somehow better the same it's god it's the same thing over and over and over again the same pattern the same mentality and it doesn't work not only does it not work it axiomatically doesn't work adding in new parts to pointlessly convolute or complicate an interaction or complicate the communication of value all it does is mess up exactly the communication that can only work that is only actually a result of voluntary exchange as soon as you enter involuntary exchange into it it's just not communicating the same thing it's no longer communicating value by a voluntary person who is making an exchange based on their skin in the game it's it's basically just mirroring political opinion which is the most vapid, shallow, not skin in the game. I would never actually bet on this, but I have I hold a very strong, stupid, ignorant opinion about it, and I'm going to scream about it, and I'm going to argue with people on Twitter about it. That is the political sphere. It is the, it is the most shallow, it's the least common denominator of human stupidity, and the more it runs things at the point of a gun, the crappier everything gets. And its behaviors, its mentality, its mindset, its short-term Focus on everything frivolous and quick flows and don't worry about the capital. Don't worry about the stock. Don't worry about long-term anything. Instead of using these tools to build a machine that's going to produce for the future, let's break down and dismantle these tools and sell them on the market so that we can get slightly higher GDP nominal points. Everything looks better if you not only eat your crop, but you eat your seed for next year too. And then whenever the numbers start, look bad, start to look bad, we'll just... We'll just flood it with a whole bunch of new bullshit tokens that mean nothing. And we'll just, just, just a huge wash into the whole system and all the numbers will go up and it will look like everything's still good, even though we're eating society inside and out. And we've basically cannibalized everything that is actually meaningful, valuable, and productive for society. And crypto is just an extension of that. It's just, it's that same mentality it's that same how do we how do we gamble on something else rather than actually bury down and build something for the long term nobody is in it Meltem Demir has made it very very clear nobody's in it for the long haul nobody's in it to actually build something uh, that in 10 years 
is really important and is really meaningful, everybody just wants to sell a token. And so I thought this article was just, the reason I wanted to stop and read this article is just because I think it's a great example of that mindset starting to get out there or the, the recognition of uh, the fact that they are different and it is nuanced and it's hard to understand and it's always fun to see what that perspective looks like in a more normy publication. So with that, I just want to say thank you all so much for listening. Do not forget to check out Fold and CoinKite and Nodeless.io, our amazing sponsors. Nodeless is your way to plug in into uh, your merchant, uh, WooCommerce, fundraiser, charity. Use Bitcoin for everything and have it automatically sent to you. No KYC. Um, it, is, it is BTC pay simple. Fold is your debit card that gets you sats back on everything in your life. And the cold card is where all of that goes. The sats that you stack with Fold and the commerce that you do with Nodeless, send it all straight to your cold card and you know you own it. Links and goodies will be right there in the show notes. And I will catch you all on the next episode of Bitcoin Audible. Until then, everybody, take it easy, guys. Life without liberty is like a body without a spirit. Khalil Gibran